Welcome to the Ivy Church podcast. For more podcasts and information about Ivy Church, go to ivychurch.org. So a tip for anybody who's an aspiring preacher, the whole next level is when you uh, put on the jumper and the shoes that match, and then you have a Bible that also matches. <laughs> that, that's the next level, okay? Very good. Matt's taking note. <laughs> It's <laughs> just changed Christmas. <laughs> um, so we've been in a series called What's His Name? And we've been uh, looking at the names that the prophet Isaiah, hundreds of years before Jesus was born, he predicted, he promised, and he prophesied some things, some titles which would come to indicate who Jesus is, was, what he'll do. And prophets like Isaiah made all kinds of predictions wrote them down which all came true to do with where he was born how he'd be born what he would do when he grew up where he would live where he would go how he would die and how he'd be raised to life again and out of all of the names that were given to the one that they called Jesus of Nazareth Isaiah wanted to explain to us just how huge it was out of all the babies that have ever been born, how this particular one child was not just a child was born, but a son is given. So there's something different. This isn't just that a child has been born, but a son has been given. This baby becomes obviously this child, this teenager, this man that people call Jesus of Nazareth, would be fully human and at the same time fully God. And because we could never get our heads around fully who God is, how great he is, how good he is, he came to show us as Emmanuel, which is another one of the titles that Isaiah used, God with us. So today is the third in Isaiah's list that we've been looking at in this series. And I guarantee it will strike a chord with our hearts today because of our own personal experiences and reactions to the theme of fatherhood. Because the third title is Everlasting Father. So what does that do when that word drops into your heart? Different people will have a different reaction. You might not see it on the outside, but something goes on in the inside when people hear the word Father. And some of you just go, oh yeah, because you have wonderful memories associated with that. You have a dad who cared for you, who was there for you, who helped you, who encouraged you, who who loved you and, and helped you to grow up to be the person that you are, maybe even that dad was somebody who showed you who God is like. And if that's you, thank God yeah. for that man, for that dad. And that's the kind of father we want to be here at Ivy. That's the kind of father we want to honour and we want to celebrate and encourage and help men who 
God gives the gift of children to be, to be to their children. But it's not easy being a dad. A woman wrote to a magazine about how she came home to find her husband engrossed watching the evening news and the little girl that he was looking after kept running into him with this little cup of, of, uh, of her special tea, which he was then drinking down and playing this make-believe thing with his daughter while he was looking after the little girl. And he was saying, look how clever she is, look how clever our little girl is, she's bringing me the make-believe tea. And would mummy like a cup too? But mummy was a bit wiser. And she waited, and sure enough, after a little while, the little girl came back down the hall with a little cup and gave Daddy some more of the special tea. And then she, Mum said, did it ever occur to you that the only place that she can reach to get the water is the toilet? <laughs> like I said, it's not easy being a dad. But some do a great job anyway. Unfortunately for others here, your dad was awful. Or your dad was absent. Or even your dad could have been abusive either. You know, and, and again, these things are not just physical. It could be emotional. There, but not even really there. In my book, Rough Diamonds, which has been described as the ultimate Christmas present, <laughs> I devoted a whole chapter to the idea of father. Why? Because the world has so messed up this concept. And the reason... It, the enemy has done that is because that's how God wants to relate to us. He wants us to see him as father. How does the Old Testament end? The Old Testament ends with a curse. The book of Malachi closes out with God saying that he's going to send a prophet in the spirit of Elijah. He's going to come back, which is John the Baptist. And that he's going to turn the hearts of fathers to the children and children to the fathers, lest I strike the land with a curse. There's a curse on the land when fathering is, is so broken. And then there's hundreds of years of silent waiting, and then the New Testament opens with the birth of John the Baptist. Do you know how the New Testament finishes? The Old Testament finishes with a curse. New Testament finishes with a blessing. Revelation chapter 22. It finishes with a blessing. Why? Because of the one who is named in the blessing, if you turn it up, Jesus Christ. He's the one who turns the curses into blessings. And he wants to turn the hearts of the children to the Father. And that's what we're going to look at today. Because how you view that word Father will have a massive impact on how you view the world for better or for worse which for me as a dad and now a granddad is, brings a heavy weight of responsibility. And I know the world is changing all the time and uh, concepts are being shaped so much and the word family changes. So many variables, so many stepdads stepping up, so many grandparents sometimes stepping in and carrying a great deal of the heavy lifting as well to support the family. There's a lot more to being a dad than just biology. And I know the theme of fatherhood will strike a deep chord. And for many people, it'll be a minor chord. It'll be a sad one. It'll be a broken heart that that word hits with because of perhaps a broken promise of what a father should have been and wasn't. But the good news of the gospel is that we have a God who is a father, the everlasting father. And he keeps his promises. All the promises in the Old Testament 
were fulfilled in the New Testament or are going to be fulfilled. The Bible describes the Old Testament, the kind of God God is in Psalm 103. Verse 8 says, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. Wouldn't you want a dad like that? Some of us fathers can be moody, unpleasable, bad listeners, unkind, impatient, grumpy old men. Don't look at anybody. I just saw somebody do it. I'm not going to, I'm looking at <laughs> But this says, God is a great dad with a long fuse, a short memory, a thick skin, and a big heart. Wouldn't you want a dad like that? You've got one. You can have one. It goes on to say, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. That word fear just means respect, reverence, awe him. You are in awe of him. That word compassion, it's from a Latin word. It means suffer with. That's what he does. He feels the pain that we feel. When we hurt, he hurts. Wouldn't you love a dad like that? The baby who was promised by the father, hundreds of years before by Isaiah and all of these other prophets, 2,000 years back for us, but in the future for them, they saw something so huge, so significant, was going to change the world and it still is changing the world because even whether people worship him or name him a saviour now or not the whole world stops this week and recognises it's Jesus' birthday and why did Jesus come? Jesus came to be the way he said I am the way and the truth and the life and we stop there but we shouldn't stop there because you've got to ask if there's a way, what's well, the way too? And he says, nobody comes to the Father but by me. So you come to Jesus and he says, great, let's go to the Father. Jesus doesn't just want you to come to him. He's the way to the Father, to the everlasting Father. God is a father whose love is everlasting. His love will never forsake us. He'll never not care for us. He'll never not be there for us. Of all of the belief systems you see that have been put forward by faulty human reasoning and people's ideas, Christianity stands alone because it wasn't people trying to arrive at a knowledge themselves of what God might be like. It's God himself coming to show us what he is like. And he's not, it turns out, some universal mind or energy or force or power even. Some impersonal force. No, he is an everlasting father. Jesus introduces people to this relationship. In fact, he's the only one who can make the way, who can be the way to, for people to come to the one that he himself called Holy Father. So, big question. Do you know who your dad is? It changes everything when you know who your dad is. 
Do you know God as Father today? I'm not even asking, are you a Christian? I'm asking, do you have that intimate relationship with God that Jesus desire for you? That Jesus won for you? That Jesus wants more than anything for you to have? The same relationship that he has. Anything less is, is not good enough for what he's done and what he's won for us. He longs for every one of us to know God as Father like he does. See, if you do know that, then you're really a Christ follower. And if you don't, you have to wonder. Because it isn't just about, oh, I have my sins forgiven. Being brought out of something. It's have you been brought in. It's not just what I've been brought out of. It's what am I brought into and what am I living in? Am I living in the reality? Do I make my decisions? Do I make my thoughts based upon the fact that I don't have to be my own provider? I have a heavenly father who provides. Do I look at myself in terms of my identity and think, I don't have to worry what other people think so much anymore. I have a heavenly father. It's what he says about me that matters most. And this has nothing to do with whether or not you think you're a good person or a bad person. It's nothing to do with whether you feel you already know things about the Bible or you've been in the church for years. It's not about what you know. It's about what you know. That's the difference. It's like, do you know? See, I can know, but not know. There's people in full of, churches full of people who know, but don't know. It's like if I was to ask you, do you know? You'd be like, well, I don't know. You've got to know. You can know. It's about who you know. It's about being in the family with God, the everlasting Father. And if you know him already, Christmas is the best time to celebrate that and to invite other people to come and join in the family as well. So, you know, maybe bring somebody this evening along to here. Andy Hawthorne's going to be speaking. It's going to be clear gospel presentation to help people to be able to understand but it's going to be something for you to be encouraged by as well as we sing familiar carols bring friends and family and neighbours along because it's important the, one of the, just the reason the world's such a mess is because people don't know who the dad is it's full of children who don't know who their father is that's why Jesus came because when you know who your dad is you know who you really are when you know the everlasting father you don't have to try and grope around in the dark trying to make meaning you don't have to go and find out by some other vague, impersonal, higher power. You don't have to chase after some fickle deity that's always going to let you down. You can come to the Father. and Because and, and, we can never sit up some mountaintop long enough and cross our legs and contemplate and think about what God might be like and get the right picture. He came down. He came down to earth from heaven who is Lord and God of all. The real God. Christ came from heaven. Jesus was born. A son is given so that we could know him and know the Father. Now, as I say this, some people's question is, yeah, but I thought like we're all God's children. I just, aren't we all God's children? And yes, the Bible shows that it is true that God cares for, loves and sustains the whole of his creation, including every human being. But it never talks about God as Father by virtue of being our Creator. Never does that. 
it talks about coming to know the Father because you've come to know his redeeming love. When the Apostle Paul wanted to explain what God had done so that we can know him like this, he wrote this in Ephesians 1, verses 3 to 5. Praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. That's why we get blessed. We get united to Christ. Even before he made the world, Get this, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. The world is broken. People are broken. Families are broken. Nations are broken. We can't fix it. We can't even fix ourselves. That's why the Father gave the Son. The Apostle John tells us what happened when God became human. Very famous. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognise him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet... To all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. There's a becoming has to happen. You receive, you believe, and you become. Because this is not about human relationship. This is a God relationship. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. New family, completely new way of looking at it. If we do not come to know God as Father, even though we acknowledge him as creator, as sinful people, the closest we'll ever get to him is to know him as judge. (coughs) None of us has a right by birth to call God Father. Only one person has that right, Jesus Christ. He is God's only son, the son of God. Five times in scripture he's called the only begotten son of God. I woke up thinking, what does begotten mean? What does begotten mean? I thought, I've got to find out what begotten means before Sunday. So I looked it up. What does begotten mean? Fathered. It's from an old word, beget. A child is born of a mother, but is begotten by a father. Jesus is the only begotten son of God. We were all begotten by an imperfect, earthly, sinful, human father. Jesus was not. That's the good news. That's the big difference. That's why he can save us. That's why it matters that Mary was a virgin. It matters who his mother was. And it matters even more who his father was. Because it's only through Jesus, the begotten son, that we can call God father. How? By being adopted into the same family. Then we become co-heirs inheritors with Christ 
on the cross, Jesus took everything that was coming to us in terms of punishment, in terms of curse. He took it all. So that now he can give us everything that's coming to him as inheritors, as adopted children. You cannot know God as Father without knowing the Son. You can't have one without the other. Throughout the Gospels, Jesus makes more than 150 references to God the Father. He's always talking about his dad. Matthew 11, verse 25, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you are pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Do you know how that carries on? Jesus says this, so come to me. All you who labour and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and humble of heart, and you will find rest for your souls. He's saying, come to me, and I'll bring you to the Father. When the Apostle Paul wrote to people and churches about God, was he was very specific. He often uses this expression, we read it before, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's who God is. That's the real God. Who's God? The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We can only ever come to know God as he is when we know him as the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The title is really important because people are asking, it's the most important question you can ever settle in life. Who is God? When you know who God is, you're going to know who you are. If you don't know who God is, you'll never know who you are. He's the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the real God. That sums him up. Who is God? The real God is the God and Father of our, of the, our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the everlasting Father and it's his good pleasure. He wants to adopt you. Christmas celebrates that the everlasting Son of God, who alone enjoyed that unique father-son relationship with God from eternity, came here so that we could have the same everlasting love that he always had. Isn't that amazing? It's like he wanted us to have the same love that he's always had, enjoyed with that same relationship. You read John 17, that's what it's all about. He's praying that to the Father, saying, I want them to have what we've got, Dad. It's the most beautiful thing and it's possible because of his spotless life, his sacrificial death, his powerful resurrection from the dead that now imperfect people like you and me can enter into the same relationship with with the Father because of Jesus Christ, the everlasting Father. So here's the question, do you know him? Not do you know about him, not do you know do you know? Do you know God as the everlasting Father? See, there's something the Romans talks about the Holy Spirit inside. It's like bubbles up and cries out and says, Abba, which is Daddy. It's like you can be that close to this dad. And if you can't, if there's something inside of you when you hear that stuff about God being Daddy that makes you go, oh, I don't like that, then you need to have a word with yourself and then another word with the Holy Spirit. 
Because that's what Jesus came to do, to bring us that close. And he won't be satisfied, and you won't be satisfied until you can call God, not just even everlasting Father, but Abba, Father. That's how Jesus taught us to pray. And the way you get to do that is not by right, it's by adoption into an everlasting family. The forever family of God. There's a phrase, that's a phrase that's used in the adoption community, the forever family. Last year, 80,000 children were in care in the UK. Clastas looked after children. 70% were fostered. So many foster parents do the most amazing work. 10% of the children had three or more placements in that one year alone. That's, just think about children going from place to place, family to family, name to name, never really knowing who they are, who they are, the deep insecurity and anxiety and uncertainty about their place and value in the world. Thank God for foster carers, and those who help and do that really well for them. And as well as that, only 3% of all those children were adopted. Adopting families talk about the forever family. It's like you're coming into the forever family for these children. And that bond of adoption that is forged is stronger than blood and biology. And as part of that, the children are given us a, a book, a story of their life. They're given it by the, by the court when they become adopted. And now this child has been given this book that talks about the story of how they come into this permanent new family, this forever family. Imagine how precious that book would be to them. Whatever the circumstances have been before of how they came into that family, now everything's changed. Now there's new possibilities. Now the child can open the book and see their name. They can see their picture. They can see and know that's me and that's mummy and that's daddy, and that's brother. And they can, they can say, that's my, my family. That's my forever family. I have been chosen, I belong, I'm accepted. I have a place, I have a plate with my name on. I have my knife and fork. I have my, it's, it's just amazing. That, that I'm going to be loved for the rest of my life. That's what adoption signifies and what it should be about. Psalm 139 says, God has a book. Now whatever happened before you were born, whatever the circumstances, we heard before that God decided to adopt us. He chose us before the foundation of the world. But Psalm 139 says, before there were even scans invented, your heavenly father was watching. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. How many children, how many adults, their whole life and life would be different if they were able to wake up in the morning and say, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. I'm not an accident. Your works are wonderful. Guess what? I'm your works. Yeah. I know that full well. Do you know that? 
My frame was not hidden for you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. God the Father has a book. Here it is. The Bible is full of stories of people who were once far away from his love, who he loved so much that he reached out and he brought them in and he brought them home. And when they said yes, he put their name in the book forever. So that now I look at my story and there's bits that I don't understand and things that I don't get and, and, and I can't make sense of them. But when he puts them into the pages of his book, I realise this, this is a lot bigger story than just me and my life and what I thought. And there might be parts of this that I don't get and I think, why did that happen and why didn't that happen? Why did this happen and why didn't that happen? And then the thing is, I can be reading a book and I can, you know, this happens, isn't it? You're in a book and something happens and you think, I don't get this bit. This is awful. Why did this happen? Why did that happen? Oh, I haven't finished yet. Yeah. We're not at the end of the book. Yeah. And there will be some things that only happen in this life that, only, that will only ever make sense when you get to the end of the book. And when you look back and you're going to go, ah, maybe that's why I'm not the author. How do we get in the book? The Bible talks about the Lamb's book of life. This, this idea that there's a book that God writes your name in. It will never, your name will never be blotted out because your sins have been blotted out. The whole story of the Bible can be summed up in this. God wanted a family he is an everlasting father and he wants you in the family forever it gives him great pleasure to adopt you you know if you're somebody who's feeling at Christmas lonely and alone and and you're like I haven't got I won't be seeing family look at the person next to you because for better or for worse there you go this is it this is God's Everlasting family. We're going to spend forever with each other. We might as well get on now. <laughs> it give, gave him great pleasure to adopt you. So put the stories and the pages of your life in here, into this story, and let the everlasting Father love you. Psalm 27, it says, Though my father and mother forsake me, the Lord will take me in. No matter what happened in the past, you can have a new future if you're up for adoption. Who is your father? One more thing and then I'm done. This blow, blew my mind this week and I can't not do it. See, in New Testament times, adoption rights were actually stronger than birthrights. The one who was adopted became the firstborn son. They actually were given all of the legal rights as the firstborn son. That's how the father wants to treat you. But even more than that, this is also what Jesus wanted. Because out of all of the ways that Jesus could have come, and the ways in which he could have experienced father in this world, the way he could have experienced family, he chose to become Jesus bar Joseph, Jesus the son of the carpenter. Jesus chose to be adopted by a heavenly father, by an earthly father, so that we could all know what it's like to be adopted by a heavenly father. That blew my mind. When I thought about it this week, that even the picture of how Jesus came into 
a family was to show us how we get to be in his family forever. So who's your father? Have you been adopted? It's, it's not second best. It's the best to be adopted into the family of the forever father. If you can stand, be stand, please stand. Just, just to pray and it could be a first time thing for some. It could be a, 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 a different depth of relationship the Holy Spirit wants to bring you into over this Christmas time. To think, just, not just to think about how Jesus came into that family, but how he wants, into, he wants me in the family of God. To know the Father. That right now, today and forever and ever, God wants you to call him the everlasting Father. He is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is the way to the Father. And he says to his children, I'll never leave you, I forsake you. You're mine forever. Right now, God the everlasting Father is making the invitation, which again, you could sign up for. Put your hand on your heart just to ask him, invite the Holy Spirit to do his work, whatever it is to reconfigure our picture of God so that we can come with delight into the presence of that heavenly Father as his child. He says, I will receive you. If you believe in Jesus, you will become my child, remain my child. Lord, we thank you that this is how you want us to relate to you, that we could not be closer because you could not be more wonderful. I was saying yes to that love. Bigger than any human love that we could ever have. Better than any earthly family we could ever belong to, however good it might be. To be part of your family that will last forever. Teach me what it is to be loved by the heavenly father and then to give that love away and to help other people to come to know it too. I just pray now as we sing Lord and as we worship you you would be continuing this work of us just as we lay our head upon your breast as we as we draw as close to you as you want us to. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org/media.